Alan Sliwa, Glenn Yates. Glenn, let, let's get after it right out the gate here. Um, so what would you do? Last night, did you have any plans? Did you do anything? I had to do Lakers talk from 7. What, what was your game plan last night? What did I do last night? I worked last night because after the show, this show, yep. I realized that in order to be in to do this program and do television, I had to get up and come to the studio. So I'm now in studio. In studio, you are the outlier here at this yeah. point, Sleewa. Everybody's in the building. Amanda's here. Okay. Um, Emily's here. Obviously, Funches is here, and uh, your boy is here, and it's great. But I will say, yeah, this studio continues to be a complete mess. Like I don't understand. Nobody's in here. What are we doing? You're in the you're in the main main. I'm studio. in the main main. Yeah. There's still yeah. a LeBron cutout in here. Mm-hmm. There's Caruso's a, probably still out, still in there. Caruso's not. You know who's not here? Rajon Rondo's is not here. You know why? Because somebody might have left with it. Um, Cooper Cup is still up here. Yeah. No, the whole the whole shebang. The whole squad is still there. And I it's think, like I, I, I think uh, at some point, yeah. I think even uh, Keyshawn probably has stuff from there from when they were back in studio. And when he was still uh, doing yeah. the morning show, I mean, the whole thing is still there. We Studio need, at some point, when we figure this all out, what we're going to mm-hmm. do is, during the show, we're just going to have a live cleanup, is what we're going to do. This is going to be part of the content great package. radio that way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm serious. You know what I mean? We'll just start talking about the stuff that's in here, you know, and we'll just get it all out. And we can let the callers decide what needs to stay and what needs to go. Because right now, this needs, this, near future, this town needs an overhaul. Anyway. Near future, Clint. Yeah. Just a, hor- we'll, uh, a horrors episode of uh, yes, ex- Exactly. Okay, so um, a couple things that uh, we got going on today. Yeah. And, I, and it, it's kind of funny because kind of looking at, you know, this time of the year, okay, what what are some of the sports stories that are really going to stand out? Obviously, Dodgers baseball, Scherzer's going to get the um, uh, get the opportunity. This is going to be his second start with the Los Angeles Dodgers. How about his first first one to the Astros and now in a team that's won eight in a row versus the Phillies, an old divisional foe. So um, we'll, we'll get a chance again to the Dodgers, but I do want to start off, and just as Chris Morales was mentioning right there, so Carmelo was introduced yesterday for the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook, that's going to happen this afternoon. Looking forward to being at Staples Center to hear uh, uh, Russell Westbrook's interview. Uh, introduction with the Lakers I, th- I thought something was interesting yesterday you know the, the Carmelo thing there's a few things that you could take away but there is this I, I guess you could say this comes maybe from a local perspective this comes more from a Laker perspective mm-hmm. and I want to I want you to give your thoughts on this but take a listen real quick to what Carmel- Carmelo said yesterday by the way he was also on on top of the presser that he did he was on with Mason and Ireland if you miss any part of that go to the ESPN app or on iTunes you can catch that full interview take a listen to what Carmelo Anthony said yesterday on what it means to be a Laker I think people downplay that as, as far as what it truly means to be a Laker it's, it's special like I don't want to I don't want to downplay that like it's, it's a special thing it's, it's a special moment uh, it's a special experience that you know for me I want I want to embrace that you know no I haven't I haven't played for the Lakers before for years you know I, I've been I've been a, you know the opposer over here and, and playing against the Lakers and trying to beat the Lakers and being booed by the Lakers and you know what I'm saying like it was that's what I that's what I that's where I come from but now even in the midst of all of that I still understood like, damn this is what it means to be a Laker 
So I, there's a reason, Clint, why I wanted to play that. By the way, Travis and Slee was brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. I, I, I stop on that one because Lakers are in an interesting predicament right now. They got a legitimate chance to go in championship number 18. Mm-hmm. And if you start making some comparisons to some of the players that were on the Lakers this past season, we're going to talk about Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder's still not on a team. I, I think there is guys that are going to be a part of this roster that are further in their career and maybe have a different perspective and might value certain opportunities than somebody who's 26, 25, 27, 28 years old still trying to make their money. Carmelo's been in the league for a long time. He's 37 years old. This guy's perspective is going to be a lot different than some of these other players. But when you hear somebody say what it means to be a Laker, you're listen, you, you can look at it from a different perspective. What goes through your mind when you hear Carmelo say that? So what goes through my mind is that Carmelo is old enough to remember when being a Laker had weight and gravitas that for a period in between there just wasn't there. And I think that generationally he's describing something that for a while simply did not have the same weight that it does now. Like, let's not forget, I talked about Kent Bazemore earlier. Yeah. Kent Bazemore was on a team that was 21-61, and Allen. You know what I'm saying? That was a very real thing. That wasn't ancient history, but it also wasn't yesterday. And so – I think one of the things that the family does well, and this is what happens, and I think that's mainly what he's referring to when it comes to what it is to mean to be a Laker. It's a family business. Not that they all aren't, but they do certain things better than any other team, and making you feel like you're a part of something, something big, is a big factor. And Now, in the lean years, that was different. But when we got into the phase of Kobe stepping away in terms of how he was relating back to it, everybody kind of started to look at it like, oh, right. You know what I mean? These are the teams that had the showtime and you've got the buses and they really know what they're doing from a family standpoint. And so then when LeBron comes and then when the the, the championship is won in terms of the bubble and all that, that notion of family excellence has returned. I think just sort of psychologically to what people think about the Lakers, whereas for a long time it was kind of like, oh, those are the obnoxious fans from L.A. that haven't done anything in a long time. Things have changed, and that's a good thing, and I think Carmelo notices that. Well, I, and listen, and, and it's, a, it's a fair argument because let me use as an example the lean years for the Lakers. When you're trying to make – this, I, I'll try to describe as best as I can. Okay, well, what does it mean to be a Laker? And by the way, Kuzma – had a great piece in the Players' Tribune that probably came out within the last hour or so. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet, but you sent okay. it along. It's, it's a fantastic read, and I'll, I'll read off a couple things from it because I think it kind of plays into this point that we're talking about. I retweeted it if you want to read it on at Alan Slee or Kuz put it on his Twitter. Um, but the let, let's use the years where the Lakers weren't winning, and I want to use that as an example because Lakers have a legitimate chance at number 18. Yep. And, and they went out and they – hand-picked players. The reason why this roster is so much different than last year's roster, I think it's fair to say, yes, some of these jokes of, oh, look how old the Lakers are, this, that. Let's use the word experience, guys that have been in the league for a long time. Okay, they understand this opportunity in front of them. They got a chance. Carmelo's got a chance to win a championship. Russell Westbrook's never won a championship, got to the NBA Finals, uh, you know, obviously years ago when it was him, KD, and James Harden. Hasn't been there since. He's got a legitimate chance to win a championship. Go down the list of all these different players. When the Lakers were lottery picks every year, when Summer League all of a sudden became the NBA playoffs, and that's all I was watching and other Laker fans were watching, that was kind of a sad moment in yeah. Lakers history. The reason why it was a sad moment was because when you say, okay, what's it mean to be a Laker? 
typically the idea on the concept is you're competing for a chip. You got a chance to win an NBA championship. I, I thought last season... One of the things that stood out to me most as the Lakers kind of have revamped their entire roster, you had dudes on the team. I don't know if they really valued what it is to be a Laker. I don't know if they really valued the, hey, championship or nothing. Now, Clinton, this is kind of a tough thing to balance here. When you're, If you're Dennis Schroeder, you are worried about your next contract. I don't blame you. Right. And I mean, Dennis Schroeder was so worried about his next contract that he thought four years, $84 million from the Lakers. That's just not good enough. I mean, that that's that was his, you know, at least his people or people were telling him or he thought, no, 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 I can go make a hundred. I could go make a hundred ten if I just don't sign this deal with the Lakers. But I use I use him as an example. Let me use um, Montrez Harrell as an example, Andre Drummond as an example. There's certain guys that were, you know, playing for the Lakers. I'm not saying they weren't sacrificing for the Lakers, but I feel like Carmelo's a fantastic example and some of these other players that they brought in. These guys have this feeling of, okay, not only this is what it means to be a Laker, but more importantly than anything else, we got a shot to win a championship, and that's really what defines Los Angeles Lakers basketball. The two things in kind, remembering what it was like and actually having a chance, and also actually having what I'll just call sort of a reasonable run-up. Like, last year was weird. They had just won it, but it was also the short off-season, and nobody was really sure how they were adjusting to that. Last year was an in-between year, quite literally, in terms of what the NBA was doing, never mind what the Lakers were doing. And I, I... Look, I don't want to blame guys for being mercenaries, and I also don't want to get too far down the notion excuse me, down the road, of the mystical notion of being a part of the Lakers is somehow an experience that nobody on earth can ever recreate. But there is something to be said that being a Laker on a Lakers team with expectations that are reasonably high is a more fun experience as an NBA basketball player probably than with playing with most franchises. That is objectively reasonable. And I think this season is the season where that is the case. You don't need a whole lot to be motivated in this situation, you don't have to be Kent Bazemore, who's seen a 20-win season in that in that Staples Center, in order to be motivated. You know, Russell Westbrook on his own coming home is tremendous. Carmelo Anthony speaks for itself. Ten-time All-Star, three-time gold medalist, National Player of the Year when he was in college with the national championship. Dwight Howard has already won it here. It's set up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I think they're going to win all the games, Lee. But this thing is set up nicely. It has broken well as we like to say, in terms of having guys of a certain experience, if that's going to be the word of the day, as well as the way the competitive balance is breaking at the same time. This is a good situation, Lakers fans. Get pumped. I'm going to read something here from Kuzma's article because you and I had chatted. You know, We were talking before the show, and we were, uh, this was going to be part of the conversation. And then I read Kuzma's piece, like I mentioned, in the Players' Tribune. Did it change your mind? Because we were of the mind that Kuzma might have been an example of a guy who did not necessarily appreciate being a Laker. Did this piece change your mind? It seemed like on some level it did. Let, let me – this has been the interesting thing with Kuz because I've – this is one of the things I've always said about Kuz. I actually appreciate and respect the dude was genuinely trying to do the right thing for the franchise. Like, Kuz wasn't out there two years ago, Clint. You watched the Lakers game. There are times you're like, Kuz, why are you taking that shot? Kuz, are you trying to get go for 25 tonight or right, are we trying are we to get doing? a W? Right? Like, but as I feel like as the last couple of years progressed, he understood, okay, I'm a role player. 
I'm there is no I'm the third best player. I could go out here and potentially I, I'm a role player. And if LeBron and AD and Vogel and all these guys need me, go grab rebounds, play some defense, and you'll get some shots as the game progresses. I actually respected that that that's what he was trying to do. The problem was he wasn't that good at it yeah. on a consistent basis. Let me read let me read something from Kuz. He said out of all the surreal parts of being a Laker, the one I'll cherish most might be this, the opportunity to play for fans who really love you. Checking into a game and scoring a couple of big baskets and just hearing the crowd war, coos inside a Staples Center, man, that feeling is electrifying. It's something I'll never, ever forget. When you have a great game as a Laker, it's more than just a great game. It's like it's part of a legacy. And he goes on. There's a lot of things that, that he puts in this. He does a fantastic story of his of his first time getting a chance to meet Kobe Bryant and what that was like. And um, he jokes around about another time that he's waiting to have a practice with Kobe. And Kobe hits him up 945 on a Friday night saying, hey, tomorrow morning on a Saturday night, tomorrow morning in Newport, let's meet at 8 a.m. And he's scared and he's, you know, like kind of thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm going to get there, and Kobe's going to have already been working out for two hours. I better get there early. He gets there at 7.15. He jokes around. He's like, Kobe didn't get there until 8.05. Okay? So, <laughs> so he goes goes into this whole story. That's and funny. I think Kuz is, you know, Kuz is such an interesting character that that's a player that I think was genuinely trying to do the right thing for the Lakers. And I think his skill set, I mean, I, I was saying it from the offseason season. It's okay to part ways, and I, I thought it was right for the Lakers to part ways with Kuz. And I actually think this is going to be incredible for Kuzma to get a chance to go try to do something for himself as he's 26 years old, a little bit further in his career. So, great piece there. Slee, you guys yep. hammered Kuz for two whole seasons. I mean, I get it. We like, we like for things to end well, but let's not front. Laker Nation hammered Kuz, but for the reasons you said that I think were reasonable. You didn't know his motivation. Once he figured it out, the problem is, is that in the public eye, it was a little too late. You know what I mean? It was Glenn, a little. He just wasn't coming through. I understand that, that, that but that, my that point is, issue. is that mm-hmm. the reason why people look at Kuz and be like, "Good riddance," has more to do with what happened earlier rather than later. You know, there's a lot of guys that haven't necessarily worked out as role players. They will not have left with the same level of acrimony as Kuz did. My point being, classy move, Kyle, to write about your experience here, considering we oh, know what he love. dealt with. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying anybody had an actual problem with him, but that was one of the most criticized players I've ever seen on any team that ever won anything. You know what I mean? People were talking about, ain't no way he's ever coming back to the booth in Los Angeles or anything like that. But... I think that now that we know that his experience here was a little bit more holistic than just basketball, it's easier to like him on the way out. You well, know, I, I, I say this. I, I think Kuz, like I said, the guy had the right intentions. Kuzma, like the last couple of years, I felt like Kuz was really trying to do the right thing for the team. It's one thing to try to do the right thing. It's another thing to deliver. And I, I think we had set in expectations in a bar for Kuzma right. that wasn't fair, wasn't right. You know, when the Lakers, there's a reason why the Lakers traded Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, uh, Josh Hart, all these players, and Kuz wasn't a part of that deal. Probably right. because the Pelicans thought, no, 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 we value these other guys more than we value Kuzma. Kuzma was not going to be, that's not going to stop the Lakers from going out and getting Anthony Davis. But I, I think actually when you read that article, when you hear Carmelo say yesterday on Mason in Ireland, what it is to be a Laker, and I think you have a team right now, uh, a roster that has no question about it, 
um, understand the opportunity in front of them. Russell Westbrook being one of those players, and Russ obviously going to get that press uh, a little bit later today as um, as the Lakers introduce him. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned this, and I'll, I'll throw this out to listeners as well. Phone number is eight seven 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 ten ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, it's time for it's time for straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Uh, Clinton, uh, let, let's get the straight talk on this one. Why is Russell Westbrook so underappreciated? I think Russell Westbrook is underappreciated because he's a guy that, in terms of style of play, mm-hmm. is not exactly what one would call to the naked eye unselfish. I know that sounds paradoxical because he gets triple doubles all night, but people see the high usage rate. They see the low shot percentage. They think that he just basically is a ball hog at all times. Also, he's a guy that people unfairly blame for breaking up a couple rosters. Oklahoma City is a great place to start. We can go to Houston. Mind you, he had already won an MVP. By by the way, when you you start at OKC – Yep, he definitely had a lot to do with trading uh, James Harden, which right. is arguably the worst trade in NBA history that those three didn't get a few more years together to try to win a championship. But They boxed continue. it, yeah. And then he gets to D.C., and he gets there as part of a separate beef between player and owner, and is sort of put in the middle of that, which then becomes a sort of awkward scenario regarding Bradley Beal as well. He's just been – how do I explain – there's a line Lil Wayne used to. Him. There's a line Lil Wayne used to say. I can't remember it right now, but he says, uh, "Dang it, I'm gonna remember this later." But basically, S be happening. He's the S, and S be happening, so he be in the S. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of things that have happened in the last ten years in the NBA have been things he's kind of been tangentially involved with, and he was always a popular player. So I just think it's one of those situations where people forget that like who dudes are off the court as the people that they are does not necessarily translate to the way that they play. It does not necessarily even translate to who they are as teammates. But people see a guy who's a little loud, willing to get in somebody's face, doesn't mind dunking on somebody and giving them the business, and they think all of a sudden he's right. Doesn't apologize to media members. He'll he'll give you the stank face for the memes and all that. You know? And that's why people want to throw trash on them and all this other stuff when they're in the crowd, which is a different discussion. But... He's gotten a bad rap as a good person, never mind as a good ball player. I think about Elena Deladon, who just got through posting. By the by, the person who used to come check on me and rebound for me was Russell Westbrook. Imagine that. How many other former w- excuse me, NBA MVPs do you know that are going to put, pick rebounds for WNBA players? That list is not long, Slee. You know, the guy's a good guy. He's been in a lot of weird situations. I'm glad he's back home with the homies. Well, you know what I think is unique as well? Um, the fact that he's from Los Angeles, obviously, uh, at this stage of his career as well. He's not 23, right? No. He's 32. will be 33 in November. When we say, okay, well, what's it mean to be a Laker? Carmelo uh, had that conversation with Mason in Ireland. I think this is somebody that you, know, you, you can't ask another person to understand. He's from here. Yeah. You know, he knows He knows what it is. I mean, there so many of these players uh, grew up with – 
Kobe as their idol, right? And I'm just using Kobe as an example. And if it was earlier generations, maybe it was Magic or it was Kareem or it was Shaq or whatever the case is. But I think Russell Westbrook walks in into this Lakers team understanding this is he'll never have he may never have an op, another opportunity in his career again to win a championship like this right over this two year span that he has with the Lakers uh, and oh by the way he'll talk today at 1 p.m. we'll get a chance to kind of hear it firsthand from him but that that's what I think what makes this unique roster or that's what I think makes this roster unique is a lot of these guys that are on this team if I if I had to make a comparison to last year's roster I don't know if that was always the case. In this case, with Russell Westbrook and some of these other players, I think it obviously has a different uh, different feel to it. Before we get to this phone call, I'll say yep. this. I'll take you a step farther. Mm-hmm. There's an outside argument that Russell Westbrook, for a guy who's just coming to the team, might understand what it is to be a Laker more than any other person there, just in terms of previous experience in sure. life, not mm-hmm. just career experience in basketball. I mean, the guy's from Los Angeles. You know what I mean? You can't recreate that. In terms of who he is in growing up, you don't just become a big-time basketball player in Los Angeles without having a very good idea of how this franchise operates and how they do things from an execution standpoint, for sure. You know, it's funny. I forget when LeBron said it, but he said something about Laker fans. He said... One thing he's learned about Laker fans, they don't care what you did anywhere else. No. Right? Like, and, and that's the reality. Like, think of LeBron, how great he is, how unbelievable he is. We'll go down as one of the greatest to ever play the game. Laker fans don't care what you did in Miami. They don't care what you did in Cleveland. What did you do with the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah. And obviously an opportunity to get their second chip. That's straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let's go to Solomon and Lake Balboa. Solomon, what's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, got so many things to comment on. I'll try to be quick. It's so true about Lakers fans, man. Once someone puts on a Laker uniform, that's it. We just care about who they are and what they do as a Laker. Period. Um, Metal World Peace is, is one for sure, you know. And, and man, he ended up winning, uh, I think, Sportsman Player of the Year when he came here. So there you go. Uh, real quick on, on Westbrook, I think a little bit of it is, yes, his abrasive personality, and sometimes people get too hooked into that as opposed to what he can do and what he does as a player. And I did want to bring up Schroeder, if you don't mind, about what it means to be a Laker. Man, this dude never got it from the get-go. First he comes in and says, hey, I'm your new starting point guard. And with, oh, wait, cool your jets here, man. You just got here. There's also a player over here called LeBron James. You better check in with him. And second, when the Los Angeles Lakers offer you 84 mil for four years and you poo-poo it, uh, it's not going to fly. And he was just a strange duck. And I, I just, I don't think he ever fit. I can never figure the dude out. You know. Appreciate appreciate you calling in, Solomon. Clint, did you see this latest report for the Celtics potentially offering him a one-year deal at the taxpayer mid-level? Uh, I mean, that, that's. That's where that's where he's at. That's where Dennis Schroeder like, is today. I, I mean, I know he's German, but you can't get four years, eighty-four million lost in translation, bro. That can't happen. Like, and to me, it's an indication that that's almost, almost, and I'd say almost only because I'd like to believe that if he signed that deal, it would have meant that he was thus buying into what it would be to be a Laker. But the fact that he turned that down was indicative of what he did, and perhaps. A bullet dodged, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to have a guy effectively for four years. But how do you? He's not go, really there. But, but, but how I don't does know. that happen? I don't in know. The market. I don't know. How does that happen, Clinton, in the market where it goes from four years eighty four 
to here's a one year deal at the mid you know that at the minimum well, mid level whatever it's called. I, and I say that, Clint, because it's not like he's getting two years, twenty four million. No, it's not like he's getting half from somebody who doesn't want to make the same commitment. But that's where I got to think on the other side. The Lakers. What's that offer about, guys? Is it an offer that you want to give a guy because you want to potentially be tradable down the line? You know, Probably. it's not too crazy. That's the only thing I Probably. can think of. You know what yeah. I mean? Because otherwise, that's a lot of money for a lot of time for somebody who apparently didn't like it. You know, and it's it's weird situation, but hope it works out for him. Well, listen, and you're 100% right. You know, we, we talk about this at the end of the day. Players got to look out for themselves. Lakers get him four years, 84, and he signs it. That doesn't mean he's not a chip in the summer right. where you know he's going to go get sent off somewhere else. And he's part of maybe a part of this package for Russell Westbrook, just right. using that and as that's, an example. That's probably why he didn't love it. You know what I mean? He didn't necessarily think it meant commitment. But, you know, that's choices people make. Okay. I, I got one other thing I want to get into here real quick. Yeah. So let's stay on this Russell Westbrook topic for a quick second. So uh, Dave McBenamin was on the, uh, the Low Post podcast, Zach Lowe, right? And – he was reporting that LeBron James, uh, you remember on draft night, there was a lot of conversation about, hey, Lakers are probably going to make a trade with the Sacramento Kings. This is very close. It's it's on the, you know, it's on uh, opportunity for it to happen. That trade yeah. was going to happen. And then what Dave McBenner was reporting, LeBron James was in favor of the Russ move over Buddy Heald. It's because he recognizes that perhaps the Lakers didn't have enough playmaking. That's kind of a point of emphasis he had in the 16-17 season. The question is, though, did he want Russ because he recognized he's about to be a 19-year veteran who turns 37 in December and needs someone to take a load off uh, of what he does personally? Um, He just kind of goes on to say that LBJ – in this, hey, if a trade's going to go down, you're going to pick between Buddy Heald, who a lot of, listen, there's a lot of Laker fans that were out there. If you're going against what the Lakers did, there there are Laker fans out there that say, you should have went and got a shooter. That's what the Lakers needed. Oh, by the way, if you did that move, then you got to keep some of your other pieces. Right. LeBron was, no, go get, go get Russell Westbrook. Okay. I mean, look, at this point, LeBron's earned that. LeBron's earned that not just in the league, but LeBron's earned that with the Lakers. And, look, do you want LeBron to be able to chart the course of the next 10 years of your franchise necessarily? I don't know. He's the guy that brought you back from the playoffs. He's the guy that stewarded you through the Kobe disaster. He's the guy that got you through the bubble. He's the guy that got you a ring. You know, if he wants oh, no, a guy, I, I don't question it. you know I, what I'm saying? He gets no, a guy. That, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that that's, that's that controversial to me, but I do see what you're saying from – Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A spacing standpoint, Buddy Heald, though, is just a different player to me. You know what I mean? You're, 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 doing, you're doing 10 different things that you've then got to approve basically through LeBron by getting him that – I, no, I think no, no. You, you do you do what LeBron wants. To yeah, do. you and, do and what LeBron wants to do. But franchise. what I'm saying is that from a basketball path standpoint, if you get Buddy Healed, you have to do three or four different things rather than getting a Westbrook to fit in and then getting a couple other guys that are easier to fit in. Like I I understand the move in the short term, and I understand it in the long term as well. Is what I'm saying from Polinka. All right, Russell Westbrook at 1 p.m. later today. We'll get a chance to hear him for the first time as a Laker. 
Um, I know Clinton Yates is very excited about this. I'm on this as well. A big documentary comes out today on Netflix. We're going to talk about that coming up uh, next. Obviously, it has a lot to do with not just basketball, not just one of the craziest nights in sports history. So we're going to get into that coming up next. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Travis and Sliwa Show, Alan Sliwa and Clinton Yates on 710 ESPN. Travis and Sliwa is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Clinton Yates filling in for Travis Rogers. What up? Um, all right, Clinton. So, you know, I think this was this morning. You were kind of filling me in on on some Laker stuff, some Laker knowledge here. You made me kind of feel like I'm not doing my homework properly. Well, and, you know, television's Clinton Yates. I'm a pretty resourceful individual, Sleeve. Just wanted you to know that. Okay, so tell Laker fans <laughs> what you have witnessed that everyone should witness. So I don't know who this who tweeted it, and I wish I did. I'm typically better at my citing my sources than that, you know. But I forgot because I was so flummoxed by the fact that Sleeve hadn't seen this before. But what it is is. You know, it's Summer League, and we've talked about how, for me, Summer League is fun because guys show up and show out, and it's a little looser environment. People are on proving grounds, and it's become a very different thing than what it used to be. Yeah, Funches yesterday was trying to sell me on Summer League. I'm like, Funches, listen, we don't have a number two pick in this thing. We don't have to watch every game No, exactly. Summer League is fun. Summer League is very fun, but Summer League used to be business for some people. They got some ballers there, too. And And one person— There's some people showing up, yep. One person who it used to be business for— it's Kobe Bean Bryant. And if you've never seen the clips of Kobe Bryant playing Summer League basketball, where did he play, Funches? Long Beach, the pyramid. Right. The old pyramid. Banging on people's heads, crossing them up left and right for no reason at all, looking like Kobe. But he was not necessarily Kobe, air quotes then. I know that people watched him at the McDonald's All-American game. I know people knew who he was. But nobody in the league was expecting Kobe Bryant sure. to sure. step in and start shaking cats out of their ankles and banging them on, them on, on the baseline. Only Jerry West. Only Jerry oh, West. Only uh, the logo. Only Jerry West thought that was going to happen. By the way, so... The clips are amazing. Watch, it's probably 35 seconds, something along those lines. Yeah. Maybe 40 seconds. Something. But as... So some of his highlights in the beginning, you're like, geez, this is... It reminds you actually of Kobe's first couple of years in the NBA. Some of those highlights where you're like, this dude, who the hell is this guy? Right. right? <laughs> and then... But as, as you get further into the 40 seconds, so things are happening, not really that much reaction from the crowd. I think part of what you're saying, it's like, well, nobody really knows Kobe Bryant yet. Exactly. And then by the time the end of the highlights are going, it's like fans are standing up and everything. Else. You know, you just got to – you take over a gym. Right. He took over the gym. He definitely took over the gym. And it's, it's cool, too, because you realize that, like, Kobe's style early was Kobe's style early. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy knew what he – he had a game plan. He had – not that I'm telling anybody anything new, but, like, check it out. He looks surprisingly close to what Pete Kobe looked like. Granted, it's summer league, but, like, if you think about how players' careers track, he's not far away from just honing his craft and being great. You know what stood out most to me, too, and uh, it's the – kind of just having this this cockiness, swag, this swag yes. that – it's like, wait a minute here. You haven't even you haven't even started yet, but it, it already existed, right? Like he didn't have to take one jumper, and that swag was already there. Okay, Nick so in the summer league with Mamba mentality. Anyway, so something um, Netflix releases, arguably. I, I listen. I know there's been some incredible documentaries that have come out. I mean, think about what was going on last year when The Last Dance came out. The pub that was getting that was pretty much all our content in sports. But this is an interesting one. It's called Untold, Malice at the Palace, okay? Um, I want to play, this kind of takes everybody back 
um, Indiana Pacers versus the Detroit Pistons. Take a listen to this, kind of re- replays a little bit of that night. They need to somehow find a way to get this game over with as quickly as possible. The problem is, if Wallace is ejected, I'm not sure, he'd have to walk past the Pacer bench to go. Now Artest has jumped over the scorer's table and is trying to get down to the bench. Artest is in the stands. Oh, this is awful. Fans are getting involved. Steven Jackson's in the fans. Rasheed Wallace going into the stands. The security trying to somehow restore order. Fans and players are going at it, and the players trying to help each other out. So, Clayton, that is one of those – I know it kind of gives you – takes you back to it. I, I don't even need to I just hear the audio, I saw everything, right? Yeah. You just you've watched that so many different times. But one of the things that's so interesting about that night is I only know the footage that you saw, that I've seen, that the audio that we just played, that's all I know. And it's I don't even have that much background of I remember one time, this a couple years ago, I got a chance to interview Meta for Lakers Talk. Mm-hmm. And I even brought up, but I brought it up in a way of like, hey, since that moment to where you are today in your career, like how how have you changed? And he was, you know, I, I would say kind of quick to not really, he was more of, hey, I don't want to go back to that moment. I don't want to think about that. Right. Here's a documentary that's coming out. It's on Netflix starting today. I don't know the full story. I never got Meta's full side. I never got Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, some of these other players. I never heard security guards, a fan that was, you know, part of the whole mix. This is a fascinating documentary that we're going to get starting today on Netflix. It is. And I think that there is a certain type of person that's going to want to look at this for, for lack of a better term, what I'll just call bloodlust. You know what I mean? Like people who just want to see the fight from more angles. But the reason why I want to see this is because I want to understand how they plan on telling this story. Because it, from a journalistic standpoint, like, look, this is a completely different world when this happened. I remember that every single guy who was involved in any of that was effectively, I don't want to say blackballed, but it became sort of like if you were at that event and you were a player on that court, people considered you as somewhat of a thug for the rest of your career. You know, and and like whether that was reasonable or not is is a separate matter from the fact that it actually happened. And I, I, I'm very curious to see how they plan to tell this story without it being either completely like, well, you know, I, I don't even know. I, like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? As somebody that's been a part of a couple different documentaries, like, I'm curious to see whether or not the ideas they thought that they had going into this are the same that they had coming out of it, you know, after talking to so many people. Because, look, I thought the treatment of a lot of those guys was unfair. You know, go back and look at not just what happened, but look at the newscasts. I would love to hear what local Detroit radio had to say the next day Mm -hmm. because I'm sure they were dogging those dudes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, listen, as a black person in America, sometimes you see that kind of antagonizing. You've seen what's going on in crowds these days. Russell Westbrook is an example of that as well. Kyle Lowry, let us not forget Masai Ujiri after winning the Mm -hmm. NBA title. Trey Young in New York. Trey Young in New York. Uh, All mm -hmm. of this. You know, this was a precursor to that, but it was at a time when folks had no problems throwing hands. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily think that anything has changed in terms of how players are willing to go after fans. I think that we have actually shifted, though, in terms of what we believe is reasonable for fans to do. Because back then, all of the focus was on, I can't believe those guys went into the stands, as opposed to, I can't believe somebody threw something at a player on an NBA basketball court. 
Yeah, it's uh, – by the way, this this is the part that I'm most fascinated about. Let me hear and, – and I got a chance yesterday. I listened to uh, Jermaine O'Neal was on uh, yeah. the Dan Lebitard show, right? And Jermaine O'Neal goes into – really kind of explains things of, hey, we just want to tell our side of the story. I'm sick of being labeled this way. I'm sick of being the guy that has to retell that story a hundred different times over the course of a couple of weeks because that's all people associate me with, which is kind of interesting because – I, listen, I know Jermaine was a big part of that, but I almost forgot Jermaine was this. I always think Meta, and I always think Steven Jackson. Those are right. the two that I first think of. But, of course, there's a number of players involved. But he was talking about how you know, the police didn't show up for 10 minutes or something along those lines, that there were security guards ready to mace the players, not any of the fans. Like It was just kind of fascinating to listen to him tell it from his side, and, and that's... That's one of the things that, you know, is great about documentaries like this. Man, do we forget every – we don't want sometimes all the details. We just want to create our own story in our head based off of what somebody else told us or what we saw, and that's it. You see the look this on will, my face right now? This will walk us through everything. I'm giving you the black folks told you so look right now, just mm-hmm. so you understand that, like, this was a large part of, I think, everybody's natural reaction was like – they let this get out of hand, and once the fight started out, they were scared to get it under control because it was going to look like they were siding with these big black brothers that are throwing swings at paying customers. That was a large part of the just sort of internal narrative that was immediately processed. Now that we tend to see, that we tend to see athletes as, frankly, more human beings than we did at that time, and social media has allowed them to get their own voices. If this had happened, by the way, during the Twitter era, this would have destroyed. Fun just talks about this all the time. This would have destroyed the internet. Destroyed the internet. You know what I'm saying? But thankfully, it didn't. But I I do think lessons have been learned. My question is whether or not lessons are going to be learned farther, further rather, because of what happened that night from the guys that were actually there as opposed to just the eyeballs that saw it on TV. All right. Well, we're all looking forward to that. Like I said, this documentary on Netflix and – Clint, I'm gonna make sure I watch this bad boy. I I, I don't know how many there is. I gotta look to see. I don't know if it's, it's a multi-episode situation. Okay, multi-episode. So, so they'll just release some. Okay, so I don't know the answer to that though. Definitely got to watch episode one. Um, that's obviously a, a big part of what the NBA was in that period of time to where we're sitting today. It's it kind of gives a background and a story where you're still having issues with fans at these games and, and these arenas. Um, but obviously nothing like that since it happened. Uh, we got a bunch of funch coming up next. Stay right here. Alan Sliwa, Clint Yates. This is the Travis and Sliwa Show on 710 ESPN. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. All right, Funches, it's all yours, buddy. Hold on, hold on. Let us be clear about the proceedings. Alan Sliwa's here. Talk to me, Clint. Clinton Yates is here. Emily's here. Bunch of Funches here. Radio clap time for... Amanda's here too. You Nate Brown know. in the house. You didn't Nate know. Brown What's up, guys? So Sleeve was like, oh, "Okay." He's like, "Ah, he's like, oh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, sorry. Just to make my sure. 10 a.m. my my 10 a.m. meeting got canceled, so I figured I'd uh, come partake in <laughs> a bunch of Funch, one of right. my favorite segments. Funch, it's all you know. All right, sorry. man. I, I, lots of pressure on me since the boss is in. She might cancel my segment if this sucks. So, <laughs> all good. right. Don't big worry. report that uh, singer Adele could take up a residency in Vegas at the new Resorts World Hotel. Uh, the report that has Adele making close to seven hundred. 
thousand dollars per night. Seven hundred thousand guys. Ooh, that's some good money. <laughs> now, if she were to take this offer at the newest hotel, she would set a new record that has the highest earner for a residency in Vegas. They say she can make five times as much as Lady Gaga, who wow. made. So do they yeah. just stop once MJ, they once they do Michael these Jackson? residencies? They're done, right? There's no touring, nothing. This is no. This is do. it. This is it. You know. So if you guys ever been to a Vegas residency, it's pretty cool. It's intimate, a small crowd. I went to go see J Lo, and it was a really oh, really good you? show. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. J-Lo I unfortunately really got forced to see Celine Dion. Oh, well, was she good or no? I mean, she was I, killing it there for a while. Let's put it too, this right? way: I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fell on. asleep during a show. I did. I did. Adele's had a busy couple months, y'all. Let's, okay, but does, oh, she yeah, have a, right. does she have a new album? No, 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 no. Well, I know, Rich Paul. Wow. I'm saying, this is a large departure <laughs> from Chasing Pavements, which is what oh, was God. happening 15 years ago. You move Rich Paul no, onto the yeah, scene, and now you're in Vegas? Was she going to be at Raiders games Hey, you think Rich Paul got that deal done for her? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Powercouple.com, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Oh. All right, so, Alan, I'll start with you. If you can go see one singer or group in a Vegas setting in a residency, who would you want to spend your hard-earned money on? All right. One of my favorite concerts I've ever been to. Do you guys remember when Jay-Z and Kanye were at Staples Center three days Ooh, in a row? Oh, yeah. I yeah. do remember that. I don't need Kanye there, but I'll take Jay-Z. I'll take Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak this. Okay. I'll go Jay-Z. What do you got, Clint? I will go with the lovely stylings. Of the man we call Theodore Payne in my household, T Payne. T Payne could do this. T I'm stunned. T Payne has not done this. To be quite honest, oh, people people sleep. I'm a T Payne A one day one stand. He's got a song for every part of your life, every time of day, every single thing you've done. Everybody who's cool has a favorite T Payne song, and they remember partying to it in their lives. <laughs> if you were alive and outside in the last twenty years, that's just a fact. Theodore Payne would be my one. Amanda is blown away by this reply. No, I'm not blown away by <laughs> T Payne. I'm trying to think who I would pay money for to go see. We know see who that. you won't pay money for in Vegas. Celine Dion. Yes, you will not pay money for her. Yeah. Um, I mean, Adele's a pretty good one. Adele is a good one. I've, yeah. I've always been a huge Adele fan. She so... sells out. I, I oh, can't she believe does. she sells well, out. Her voice is just amazing. You know, it's when she was at like Staples across the street here and people in the office were just clamoring to get her tickets, oh. yeah. it was sold out. Huh. Yeah, she can sing. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's definitely one of them for me, for sure. All right, so we got Adele, T-Pain, Jay-Z. Emily, what do you have? I I am 25 years old. (laughs) She has been a whole part of my life. Taylor Swift. Oh, oh, Taylor Swift. She's got a thing up in Staples Center. And right. her performances <laughs> are the along with the retired Laker jerseys. She's got more banners than the Clippers. <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is! Boom. There it is! Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. She really does. Swifty. She really does. Swifty, I used, I used to be a Swifty fan, but... You grew out of Swifty? I grew out of her. Yeah. I'm 42 now. Yeah, that's... You know? No, not time. Funches, no. you gonna go I see? think I'm going to go see Snoop Dogg. Oh, Snoop okay. Dogg and his family, maybe Dr. Dre. Like, that's a just a good one. That's true. I, you know, the Vegas Should've residency thing, who started that? Like, because it used to be kind of camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like until Britney started doing it, people were like, what would I do a Vegas residency for? I've seen Britney she, in when concert. When she started doing it, it became like a thing, a cooler thing. Yeah. yeah as opposed Lady Gaga to, started doing it too. Yeah. Like, of course, just Wayne Newton. You know, you think of like old retired acts. <laughs> old Vegas. You know what I'm well, saying? Don't, don't they also have <laughs> yeah. a lot of these DJs that are there as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, they make yeah. like a million dollars a set too. Yep. Yeah. To press buttons. I'm not a fan clubs, of that. Yeah. That's not for me. I could see eight there. Day party all the way through. I mean, the night. listen, don't get it twisted. The day party <laughs> game is strong, but I'm not paying 
to go see some I guy. I can't press do the day buttons. party because if I do the day party, I'm done at I'm that's done fine. by like um, seven. That's fine. That's yeah. fine by me. Or adults. I don't need to be out with you hooligans at night anyway. We're not twenty something like Emily. Seven thirty p.m. It's over. Shut it down. I'm eating dinner with Sleewa at four o'clock. Us old folks. Yep. All right, guys. I'm gonna skip right to it. It's back the cameo game, and it will be a quick one. I'm gonna give you four names, and I want you to guess their cameo price. Um, okay. We will oh, use the this prices. We will use the prices right rules Ooh. as the closest without going over the price. We'll right, get this is the not point. easy, by the way. This is, no, I've never. Okay, like I I've have never, no idea what the going rate is. I don't either. Yeah. I do not know like, the exchange rate. This is rate. just gonna totally be you a shot. Just, so, so, so just guess any number. Yeah, Emily and uh, and I have done it before. So let us go first. Yeah, y'all go first. Okay, and in honor of the Lakers being officially back, I got an all-Lakers edition of this. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. All right. He knows what it means to be a Laker. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. So let's start with two-time champ and probably will get his jersey retired, Pau Gasol. <laughs> Pau Gasol cameo. I'm trying to think how much I myself would pay for that. So as the <laughs> only person here that's ever been asked to do a cameo... Okay. I'm I just like dropping flex, that every flex. once in a while. Definitely threw that in there. Yesterday <laughs> was CC Sabathia. Today it's this. okay. I'll go. Uh, let me go. Four hundred bucks. So it's a hold on. So it's a one time one time message payment, and it's yeah. usually like it could five be a, like a five birthday minutes. message yeah. or anything. And is there like yeah, is it off. like a one minute message? It's is it something like it's that? It's not an hour. Thirty yeah. minutes. Yeah, it varies by whomever it is. Um, right, you might okay. get somebody that's going to talk your ear off. But... Forty-five minutes. Yeah, of <laughs> All right, my my guess is two seventy-five. I think you guys are way low. Would you say Sliwa five hundred? Said four hundred. You said four hundred. I'm going five hundred. I mean, I think Pau. You got to remember, international superstar. He's, us. He's trying to sell us like we All already right. know the number. <laughs> All right, boss, Betty pantsuit. I'm gonna go three hundred. What do we got there, Funch? Boss Petty Pensu, right on the money, three hundred dollars okay, for a message selling himself from Paul Gasol. Uh, that's see, I, I didn't, t- I didn't take an, ex- I did, the Euro exchange rate is what I was. Yeah, wait, wait, who was punches? Who was the that, most expensive? Yeah. Did you say it was Mayweather? Um, sheesh, I think it was Caitlyn Jenner, and oh, she yeah, charges oh, like ten thousand or something. And people yeah. actually pay Nobody's for that. Nobody's buying that. Ten thousand people, people pay ten thousand dollars. Draco, Draco that. Malfoy from Harry Potter is seven hundred. How's he looking these days? Is okay. the hair still moving? Is the blonde hair still going? <laughs> oh, no, it's pretty stringy. It's okay. pretty stringy. <laughs> oh, yikes. Oh. So, uh, Amanda gets a point. And l- now, next, let's do Kobe's best friend, Smush Parker. Smush Parker. <laughs> Smush Who Parker. Who wants to start on this one? $25. $50. Bucks, max. <laughs> okay, $25.50. Emily, what do you have? $15. Fif- dang, you guys are. I'm going to go $60. <laughs> tough crowd, just, uh, tough just crowd. To be nice. Just to be nice. No, he's not getting 60, by the way. I don't know why I'm going 60. Well, uh, Alan, you got it, man. He's wow. $70. $70. 70? Who's paying $70 to Somebody get a paying voice dollars from Smush Parker? <laughs> I don't Open up the phones. How much would you pay for your boy, Clinton Yates, Clinton. to send you a cameo? I might. What's, I, what do you I might, think my going rate would be? I might Sorry. do Smush at 70. $1. 70 here. I might do it. I would I pay $1 for a Clinton Yates voice message. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I usually get them for free, but contract I would Contract negotiations are going well. No, I'm kidding. All right. all right, guys. Next, we got a for sure fire Hall of Famer here. Has a retired number. We all know him. Big game James Worthy. Oh. Ooh. James doesn't seem like the kind of- Big game's going to be more than pal. Yeah. He doesn't- Really? More, more popular. More than pal? I, 
I do only because he's still so active in the Lakers you know, community. Just of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but do the young stuff. folks want one from Big Game James? No, but nobody, the young folks are not the people buying cameos anyway. But this, you old, misunder- you're telling me that old people are buying cameos? The move here is that okay. you buy it for like your parents. That's how it works. Or like your girlfriend who's old. Like You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, who's like age. a grown guy. I don't know the age demographic. I mean like a grown up. Oh, that's what that I meant. Not like a TikToking teen. That's what I meant. That's cap, Emily. That's cap. All right. Uh, I'll say three hundred dollars. All right, Powell is three three hundred. Yeah. What do you got, Amanda? That's fine. I'm sorry. I'm going one fifty. Wow. Okay, Emily. What do you have? Two twenty five. I'll go. Al. I'll go just because Clinton did three hundred. I'm going to go three hundred and one dollars. <laughs> Turns out to be the wrong move for both of you guys. Amanda wins. Uh, James Worthy is only a bargain for one ninety nine. She know all these one ninety nine. I'm just I'm good at valuing humans. Oh, so I'm worth a dollar. Great, that makes me feel tremendous. I like, Sorry, man. I, like, I like that his agent was. Let's do one ninety nine. Let's not do yeah, not two hundred. Let's not do one ninety nine. One dollar off. I'm twenty. I was twenty five dollars off, but I was just over. Yeah, that's true. Price is right rules. Well, All right, right guys, well. so let's give everyone a chance here. We'll do this last one for 10 points. So okay. this oh, winner wow. takes okay. all, basically. Yeah. All right, we got this. Whatever, Hall- I already won this game. <laughs> no, no, not yet. no, no, you didn't win it. This <laughs> next point is worth 10 points or whatever. This, Hall- this is a Hall of Famer. He didn't play his best years with the Lakers, but he did end it with the Lakers and won a chip. And he is a member of Run TMC, Mitch Richmond. Oh, $75. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if Smush Parker is seventy and Mitch Richmond oh. seventy five, they got to restructure this whole thing. Not that Mitch is that big of a name. bad CBA. Um, fifty. I'll go hundred on the dot. Seventy. Mr. Allen Sleewa wins the game. Dang. What was it? How much was it? Three hundred dollars for Mitch for Richmond. Mi- really? Mitch what is going Richmond. On? I had to. I had to fool you guys a little bit. That's I don't why. even understand. Well, and this is clearly based on the agent negotiations. So clearly, he has a good agent to negotiate that three hundred price point. I know what he should have done. Agent. He should have done two ninety nine. Yeah, Clinton, your one dollar rate. You need a better out. agent. <laughs> this is not working out for you. Call the station and tell them you pay me more. <laughs> I will right, do thank it. Thank you, Funches. Thank you, Funches. That's a bunch of punch right there. All right, we come back. Max Scherzer uh, already pitched a big game against the Houston Astros. He's got another big game later today against the Philadelphia or against Philadelphia and the Phillies. That's coming up next. Stay right here. This is the Travis and Sleeva Show on seven ten ESPN.